Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 read, For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Not a single moment of life has ever been hidden from God. He's there in all the hidden and silent secrets of both life and death. For most mothers, these verses offer so much hope and happiness, but to so many others, they can stir up questions, doubt, grief, and even pain. October is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, a time of year set aside for us to remember and to encourage those who have lost a child through miscarriage or early on, maybe in infancy. So today we want to honor those mothers who grieve and also provide some helpful tools for those of us who are friends and family members who want to lovingly support a mother whose arms ache from the loss of her baby. Now, Before we go any further in our discussion, I just want to acknowledge that this episode might be very difficult for some. The pain of loss is still very raw for them, and maybe they're struggling to understand and accept that life has ended even before it ever had a chance to really begin. And if that's you, Mama, can I just encourage you to keep listening? I want you to know that I'm thinking of you and praying for you right now. I'm actually praying Psalm 34, 18 for you, that God would use this next half hour to be near to you, the brokenhearted. I also want to be really honest at the, at the start out here and say that I've not experienced your same loss, so I won't pretend for one second to know what you're going through or to have all the right words that you need to hear, but... I've got two ladies with me here today, my friends, Kate Battistelli and September McCarthy, who can empathize greatly with the pain and the loss and the grief that you might very well be experiencing right now. This has actually been one of our most requested topics to date, and surprisingly, many of those requests have come from women who want to learn how best to support and love their grieving friends, women who, like me, haven't experienced the pain of pregnancy and infant loss themselves, but who know somebody who does and who has. So if that's you, I want you to lean in really close today. Listen to the story shared by both Kate and September and let them show you some ways that you can offer hope and perhaps even healing to a friend that you love. Ladies, can we just start out by um, you telling us just a little bit more about your own stories and the the pregnancy and infant loss that you've experienced? Well, I had an ectopic or a tubal pregnancy when our daughter was two and a half years old. You know, it's, it's funny because I hadn't been feeling great for a couple months. And so I decided 
well, I, I may as well just take a pregnancy test, see what's going on. Well, I took it on a Friday and it was positive. So we announced it in church that Sunday. We went to a small church and, you know, anything that happened in anybody's lives, we, we would announce. The next day was Labor Day. And while feeding my daughter breakfast, I suddenly just doubled over in pain thinking I had a really bad stomach ache or gas or something like that. All I knew was I, I couldn't stand up anymore. But it didn't get better. And after about five hours, every time I would try to stand up, I would faint. And we couldn't get any kind of blood pressure reading or anything like that. So my husband finally called 911. They took me to the hospital only to find out that I was very close to dying from the blood loss. Ectopic pregnancies are still a main cause of maternal death because you don't realize that you're bleeding internally. So my doctor removed the damaged fallopian tube where the baby had been growing, and I remained in the hospital for four days. A few months after that, we went to a fertility specialist in Philadelphia, because we lived in New Jersey at the time, and after repeated attempts and a laparoscopic surgery to repair my remaining tube, we were told we would never get pregnant again. You know, there are just times in your life when you actually feel your heart break. And that was one of those moments for me. And we tried adoption after that. We tried four times. Each time it fell through. So I had to learn very early on and very reluctantly, I might add, that I would be living with the fact that I would only have one child. And that's that never changed, even though it, it took me down quite a road with the Lord. But it's you know, and we can talk more about that later, but that that's my basic story about my pregnancy loss. Not a fun time. Uh, yeah, you know, I have a lengthy story, a lot of, uh, a lot of loss for um, pregnancy. And I share that and I, I write about this in my book, but, um, you know, I never, you never really um, find it easy to talk about. So, when we share our stories here, I just want our listeners to know, you know, we're just sharing these from a speaking standpoint today, but heart to heart, you know, the loss is still very real and relevant to us as we share them. And um, we just hope we can encourage you um, as you hear us share our stories here today. But uh, my husband and I, we started off our family journey with a miscarriage at eight weeks. And um, that was really difficult. I was married young. And so that that was the way we began our family. And um, then we found out we were expecting um, a little girl. And we were really excited about that. And then when I was four months pregnant, the doctors told me that she did not have any kidneys and that we could um, terminate the pregnancy or carry her to term, which meant carrying our daughter Elizabeth, um, for six months, knowing that when she was born, she would not, um, she would not live. So we actually chose to carry her to term. And I, I actually look back on those six months, very, very special sacred moments. They were my first moments of motherhood. And I just mothered her while she was in my womb. Elizabeth was born and lived to be, um, till she lived an hour. She was with us an hour. And I got, we, my husband and I, Dan, we spent a lot of um, really special moments with her for an hour. And um, that's how we began our, um, my mothering journey, um, just two consecutive losses. And I learned a lot about um, loss and suffering in those, those years. Um, I had now been two to three years into my mothering journey without any babies, 
to hold and everyone around me was, you know, having babies and I was going to baby showers. And uh, then we found out we were expecting again and we were really excited, a little nervous. I have to be honest, very scared at this point. And we had another miscarriage. And so at this point, I really had no interest in having any more children. I was um, bitter and um, just kind of tired of trying and persevering. And I just wanted to say enough. And um, I had a really godly woman come along and encourage me and pray with me. And um, she just told me that there is no, um, there is no comfort in not having our babies here, but knowing that we've shared in the sufferings of Christ and that God is going to reveal an amazing plan down the road. Those are words that when you're walking through loss, you really don't want to hear. Um, there's nothing superficially um, Christianese for me to say that. That's the truth. You just want your baby. Um, but God did, God did bless us with three children after that. We had um, a boy and then we had a girl and then we had a boy and um, we had to bury our little girl, Elizabeth, because she was born full term. So we had, I would visit the cemetery with my little kids and I had people tell me, September, just try not to dwell on um, the loss. Why do you go to the cemetery? And a lot of years I felt guilty for grieving the loss of my baby. And I learned a lot in those years that it's never wrong to grieve a child that, that God gave to you. Um, after our third living child that we had here that we got to bring home from the hospital, uh, we found that we were expecting twins, twin boys, and we were so excited. And partway through that pregnancy, um, some complications occurred. And the doctors told me, September, if you could get this pregnancy to 25 weeks, which is viable, um, life-sustaining NICU, um, for a baby, then that's the goal. So they said 25 weeks and you know, you give a woman a goal or a deadline and everything in her goes to that deadline. Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, 25 weeks was on my radar for a long time because of the complications. I was really, I was bedridden. I was sick. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I still had three busy children under the age of four and, um, week 24, I woke up in the middle of the night and knew that my babies had gone home to be with Jesus. And I had to wake up my husband and he just held me and we cried and we grieved the loss of our babies. And I remember thinking in that moment, why Lord, like I just was going to get to week 25. Why give me false hope? And we delivered, I delivered those babies and we spent time with them as well. And we buried them next to our Elizabeth. And, um, that was a hard, hard time in our life. And, um, I look back on that with great, great sadness. Um, and I missed those boys, but we went on to have, um, seven more children and three more miscarriages in addition to that. So pregnancy loss and miscarriage is not a foreign part to my life and my story. And um, it's very real and raw, but it's also a very um, big part of what God has used to shape me as a child of God. And I just want to say that now before we begin and go any farther, because um, sometimes people hear my story and they think, why, why did you 
have more children? Why did you keep trying? Why can you give God the praise? And you may be experiencing loss like this. And I just want to tell you that um, God is good and he's faithful and he has made me who I am today. And I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful for what he's done in my life. You know, September, as you were sharing, one thing that really stuck out to me that I probably knew in my head, but um, just hearing you say it out loud gave it so much more um, reality is that for most mothers who grieve the loss of a, a pregnancy or of a, a child that passes early on, you're right in the midst of those childbearing years when everyone around you is having a baby and you're going to all of those showers. And, and that probably adds another layer to the grief that those of us who haven't experienced it just don't really understand. So ladies, when you were in the midst of all that very raw pain and loss, what helped you get through each day? For me, it, it was so painful that I, it took me a while to get through. It took me a number of years of fighting with the Lord because all I could think, you know, you're, you're taught in, in church that God's a good father and he gives good gifts to his children. And I think, well, God, what I want is a good thing. I want children. I'm going to raise them to love you. Why won't you give me the good thing that I'm asking you for? I'm not asking you for riches or fame. Or, I'm just asking you for children. It made no sense to me. I, I, I think logically. So this just didn't make sense. It was like, God, this does not match up with your word. But what, I, what it took me a number of years to realize, and this, this really took me down to a deep place of where I had to figure out what my relationship with God was going to be. But it took me a long time to realize that I wanted God for what he could give me. I didn't want him for who he was, for just, if, he, if I didn't get one more thing in my life, is he still good enough? And it just took me, he took me, as I like to say, a long distance out of the way in order to come back a short distance correctly. And it was a tough time, but I remember at a worship conference I was at, at you know, after a few years and just during a deep place of worship, I just heard in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, am I enough? And it, you know, it just, it breaks you because you think he is. I mean, this is, you know, 32, 35 years ago. It's still painful. It's hard for all of us. So if you're going through it, we get it. We understand. But I, you know, I just had to learn to love him. He had to just be enough. And I could only answer like, was it Moses and say, you know, he is. I said, Lord, you are enough. You, you're enough for me. And it, it didn't necessarily make it easier, but it started my climb out of the hole because I felt like I'd just fallen into a deep pit of despair because I couldn't. The one thing I wanted, you know, to give my husband a son, I never could get even the failed adoptions, all that mess. <sighs> so Kate, I, I think that's, that's so honest. And, and these women need honesty. They need yeah. to know that other women are questioning God too. Yeah. And they can come through years later, still wondering why, but yeah. still knowing he's good. Yeah. And that he has a plan that no matter how it turns out, that we, we have to let Jesus pick. 
You know, he's going to, he already knew before the foundation of the world, how many children I'd have. He didn't fit it into the nice box that I saw it in. I mean, I saw what I saw and this is the life I want, Lord. And okay, now I want a good thing. It's up to you to give it to me, but God doesn't work that way. You know, he, we can't fit him in a box. So I had to learn that. I had to just learn it the hard way, but I did learn it. I think Kate, what I'm hearing from you is that on top of the pain of the loss, on top of the, the pain of even the death of this dream that you had for a larger family, you also carried a little bit of, I don't want to say guilt. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but um, I'll, I'll say guilt for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Some guilt that you carried for even questioning God for or feeling bad that you couldn't just trust him, that you were wrestling with the idea that this good thing you were asking for wasn't being given to you. And so therein is another layer of pain that maybe isn't so obvious to the rest of us that, that those who have experienced such a loss do carry. And you're a living testament that those whys, those unanswered questions can still lead you years later to understand and know that God is good. You might not understand all of the things he does or doesn't do, but at the end of the day, even in your pain, you can give it all back to him and say that he is good. And, and some women listening right now might not be in that place, just as you weren't maybe in that place years mm -hmm. ago, but look at you now. Yeah. But the years, the one thing to give you hope if you're in this situation, in this season, the years will give you the perspective you don't have now. It will make sense. It, it didn't at the time, but it will. September, what about you? Was there something that helped get you through each day when you were in the midst of all that pain? Yeah, I, for me, it was um, only truth. Like I had to focus on what was true. I think that's why those verses of scripture um, focus on whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report. I knew who God was. I knew what he was doing and was good for me. I had to focus on what was true. What did God say was true? What around me was true? Because when I allowed my mind to deeply go to the what if or the whys, then it was just a foothold of grief and pain. And it was hard for me to come back out of that. So I would put daily reminders of truth. Um, and because I needed to keep moving, I needed to keep moving. I had children to take care of. I had myself to take care of, um, you know, I was married. And as soon as I would continue to find, you know, that back door to grief, um, it would just suck me in. And it wasn't that I was avoiding it. It's learning how to walk in it. Um, so I just had daily reminders of truth every day. And I, and that's a really practical thing. I had to do that. I had that on cards. I had friends send me messages in the mail. I have all of those. I made a scrapbook of whatever it took. I knew that that was the only sustaining thing for me uh, to keep walking forward and to walking in his love. Um, that was the only thing that kept me going on some days. So with that, were there other things maybe that friends or family did or perhaps didn't do or say that was especially helpful for you during that time? 
I, I think most people were kind, but they just didn't know what to say back in those days, 30 years ago. I think for me, the hardest thing was being invited to those baby showers. It was like, oh, I have to go to Babies RS. I have to be constantly reminded. I mean, I wish I had thought to put up like notes and, you know, scriptures to like September you had. That's such a great idea. I do that now in another season of life, but boy, I wish I had thought to do that then just to constantly remind myself of what the truth was. But I think in that time, I didn't fully know what the truth was. I just wasn't there yet. I had only been a Christian for a few years. I didn't become, I didn't know the Lord until I was 29. By this point, I was 33 or 34. So I didn't have a deep, long relationship with the Lord. This is the, the years that he took me deep into that deep place where you've got to know me for who I am. You've got to want me simply for who I am. And it and it was a, a hard, a hard way to go through it, but I'm, I'm glad for it. I have to say I am grateful for those years. But I mean, I, you know, you sit there at those baby showers, you're just fighting back the tears. I would get out of there as soon as I could, as long as it wouldn't be rude. But I mean, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> of course, you know, you burst into tears the moment you get in the car, because it was just one of those seasons. So there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't anything really that, that anybody did that was helpful other than pray and, you know, and understand as best as they could. But yeah, maybe September, you probably have something. Yeah, I, first, I, I do want to piggyback what you were saying, Kate, about um, where we are in our walk as a Christian or not as a Christian um, with suffering and loss. Um, and I think that's the most exciting thing for me, having this podcast for other women to listen to is that I myself did not have spiritual depth at that point, but I did have a particular woman who did. And she spoke into me. She was my podcast and I'm grateful for that. I would not have even thought to do that. Um, in fact, I wouldn't have even known where in scripture that talked about suffering and comfort and loss and who God is and who he is to me when I have nothing else left. But um, so if, if there's a woman listening to this and you don't have someone, you know, we just want you to reach out to us. Um, this is our, this is our ministry. This is what God has brought us through. And that's why we do this podcast. That's why we're sharing these things. We're the woman next door that wants to walk you through this loss. But um, if there, if there was anything that friends and family did or perhaps didn't do, it would be these things. Um, it was not helpful to be ignored. In other words, it was not helpful to me when people ignored the fact that something had happened. Um, it was not helpful to be left out. Um, people think, you know, maybe we should be more sensitive and not include September or whoever's going through a loss because it might be hard for them. It, it's not helpful to be left out, at least extend the invitation. It was not helpful when people are critical. When you're going through suffering and loss, you make, you're not who you are. You know, you're a, you're being refined, you're being torn apart and put back together. Um, critical, judgmental behavior is not for someone um, that's going through suffering because God is basically um, pruning you and you know what it looks like before something grows fruit. So being critical was not helpful. Um, we had to make tough decisions. Um, I became even more introverted. I did not want to spend time with people. Um, I was not a great mom to my little kids because I was suffering. And so critical behavior, it wasn't helpful. I could have just used some love. It, but it was helpful to be held. You know, women think, well, I don't want to be awkward. Should I give her a hug? Yes, just hold somebody. It was helpful to be held. 
it was helpful to be told that I was cared for. Like someone says, you know, I just want you to know I care. It was just so helpful to hear that. Um, it was helpful to be acknowledged as a mom. I had lost, you know, three kids and every time, you know, Mother's Day came up or we're in public and um, someone acknowledged that I was really a mom, even though I didn't have a baby to show, that was so helpful to me because that I was a mom, you know, um, it was helpful to be listened to, even if it was maybe the 10th or 100th time I talked about my baby, it was super helpful to be listened to. It was helpful to be checked on. Um, and it was helpful for me to talk about my babies because um, they were real and they were part of me and they were part of who I am. And to leave them out of my story was just not, you know, it just was incomplete. So a few years ago, one of my very dearest friends lost her son. It was the fourth baby. She went on to have another baby. Um, and he died when he was about 18 months old. And I remember sitting there with her one day, um, probably a year after he had passed away. And I had to be honest with her. And I had to say, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it, so in my, maybe in my ignorance of what to say and not to say, I just wasn't saying anything. And she looked at me and she said, Jamie, just know that there isn't a day that goes by, not a single day that I don't think of him. So in you bringing it up to me, just makes me know that other people are thinking of him too. The other thing that she was, I know, struggling with at the time, and maybe some of you are struggling with is, you know, whenever she had to introduce herself in, in, public, you know, that you always have to say the typical things as a mom, what's your name? How many kids do you have? How long have you been married? And she, I could, I could tell, um, if, even up to a year after he had passed away, anytime she had to introduce herself, she always had like the small voice catch whenever she had to say how many kids she had, because she had five kids. It's just that one of them wasn't there in her arms anymore. And so even just, even just saying it out loud to her, you have every right to say, I'm a mother of five, and you don't have to be embarrassed about that or feel guilty in saying that or feel awkward. You don't owe anybody else an explanation. And that gave her the freedom to be brave enough and say, yes, I'm a mother of five. And, and that, I think, I hope, provided her with a little healing too and just knowing she could acknowledge him every time she introduced herself. Was there something that maybe somebody said or didn't say that was especially hurtful to you in that time? Maybe, maybe they said it and it was very well-intentioned, but it, it kind of fell flat or it, it actually added more grief and pain? Well, when they typically will say, oh, you can have more babies, you're young, or you can adopt. And, you know, when it's, when it keeps failing, eventually that, that, that sentiment does not hold a lot of water. But, and, and I think for me personally, knowing how I'd lived in the past before I knew the Lord, I had a lot of judgment against myself. I held myself responsible for, you know, for my infertility, for not being able to have more children. So I blame myself a lot, but, um, 
I don't know. I just couldn't understand why God wouldn't give me the desires of my heart. But now when I look at it, like I was saying, the years give perspective and that he gave us an only child and there was a reason for it. You know, I can look at where he's taken her life, but it took me a long time to get there. God did not fit nicely into the box I wanted to put him in. In fact, he taught me back then that he won't always give us a good reason for what he does. We're not going to always understand everything on this side. In heaven, we're going to go, oh, okay, Lord, that made total sense. And also, the other thing is to know that our, our children may not, we not, may not be able to see them, but they still exist. Absolutely as much as when they, when you were carrying them in your womb, they are still there and we will greet them one day. And that's going to be such a fabulous reunion for so many of us. But I mean, I just had, I had to learn to trust him and his goodness and understand that, you know, I just don't always get to choose what I, what I'd like. It's not going to necessarily make sense on this end. Eventually one day it will, but it will let it draw you closer. You know, that's the one thing I would say, press into the Lord, press into who he is and try to, I don't know, just cry out. You know, you read through the Psalms, David cried out all the time. I mean, you look at some of those Psalms and I'm thinking, man, there was a lot of anxiety and depression, you know, going on back in Bible times and the way he would cry out and ask the Lord to help him. And we can do that. You know, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying I'm weak. I don't know what to do. This is horrible. This is grief. This is painful. And I don't know what to do, but hopefully friends will, will have kinder words or sometimes it's best not to say anything like Job's friends. They sat with him for a week before they opened their mouths after he'd gone through all that he'd gone through. So that, that can be okay. But on the other hand, I think it's really true. September, what you're saying, don't, don't be afraid to give them a hug. You know, don't be afraid to to, and Jamie, you know, your friend said, I think about that child every day. You're not bringing up something that I'm not thinking about all the time. Now, I don't think about it all the time 32 years later, but I still, you know, obviously talking about it still brings it right up, even uh, in your 60s. And there are women that might be in their 60s or 50s that never really have dealt with this pain that have just always said, nope, I cannot even go there. But it's okay to go there. You know, when you go there, you set it free. So... Yeah, you know that comment, Kate, you were referring to, especially if you already have children and you have a loss and the standard comment, really, it's said so much. I'm, I'm surprised. Well, at least you have, you know, yeah. a child or a few children, at least you have. Um, that's really a difficult thing to process when you're standing there, um, especially soon after a loss. Um, I have a lot of grace for people now more than I did, you know, when people say things to me now, now I just realize it's real. it's really just ignorance. It's not, it's the uncomfortableness. It's not knowing what to say. Usually there's so much grace for people. Um, when you've walked through suffering and you realize people, people just don't know it's, it's hard. It, and I have a lot of, um, I just actually, I'm compassionate to the person that has to deal with my own loss because I know it must be awkward for them. Um, but that's why we do these podcasts so that, you know, we can help one another, but yeah, there, you know, something did happen to me when I was carrying Elizabeth. Um, and this what happened in the Christian circles. And I often wonder how often this happens that gives, um, Christianity, maybe a negative light when it comes to miscarriage and loss and infertility. 
uh, we, I was at church a uh, particular evening and this, this isn't, this isn't one of those moments in my life that became very, very pivotal for me in my faith and in my motherhood. So, and that's why I share it. And that's why it's so fresh and easy to recall. But I had a woman, uh, we had a prayer time and she said, Hey, I'd like to pray with you. And, um, you know, I was eight months pregnant and I knew that exactly what the doctors told me that, you know, Elizabeth did not have any kidneys and I knew that she wasn't going to live very long. I could still feel her move and I still spent time with her at night. And, um, you know, it was just bittersweet, but this woman, um, asked me to pray with her and we were praying and she prayed over Elizabeth and she prayed over me. And then we were done. And I wanted to talk about the reality of my loss that was coming. Like it's scary. And I knew what was going to happen, which is kind of not always the normal. And I had no one to talk to about this. And I thought, you know, this woman, I've just trusted this time of prayer with her in the Christian circles. And so I was verbalizing some of my concerns, like what might happen? What, what might be this like? What do I do? I'm going to be losing my baby. And she stopped me and said, September, your baby will probably not live because your faith is not great enough. And I, in that moment, had everything about my faith shaken. And I, to this day, look back on that. And I pray that no one ever has to hear those words. I was a young Christian. I was only 19 years old when this happened. And thankfully the Lord met me right there in that moment. And he said, you know who I am and I know who you are, September. And it had nothing to do with my faith that was going to keep her alive. And I hope someone listening to this knows that, that that's not how Christ, that's not how Jesus is. That's not what he does with our faith, but there might be someone that's experiencing that. And actually that moment, praise God, made my faith even greater because I searched, I went in search of the truth. Like, who is God? Would a God do that? Would this really be true? And it sent me on a hunt into the God's word. And it pushed me deeper and farther to know who he was and what he meant by this. And um, so, yeah, that's something that really did hurt. And it really stuck with me. And that's why I'm very passionate about speaking truth to women in Christ about loss and suffering, because I want them to hear the truth and, and let them know um, that it's okay. Oh, September, I'm so very sorry that anyone would have the thought to say that to you, but I, I can imagine it's not an isolated event and that there are many who may be well-intentioned, but say things that just end up uh, hurting even more, or even like you said, as a new believer, as a young Christian, you know, saying things that can actually damage our image of who God is and his goodness and his love for us. So I'm sure we have some mothers listening right now who are in that very same spot that you were in September all those years ago, who still feel very tender and raw about the loss that they've experienced or are experiencing. Um, perhaps they're very tender and raw emotionally, but also physically as their bodies are healing or haven't healed yet. What do you want those mothers to know today, ladies? I mean, it may sound simplistic, but time 
really does bring healing and the perspective that I mentioned before. It, it The years do make a difference. Sometimes, I, I say this in my book, that sometimes God allows in his wisdom what he can prevent with his power. And if God allowed it, I have to trust that he has a good reason for it. And it might not make sense now to you at this point, but as time goes on, as you press into him, he's going to show you why he allowed it, I believe, if you really ask him. And let yourself grieve. I mean, it's okay. Give your heart time to heal, but continue to trust, continue to worship, continue to believe that he knows the end from the beginning and he has a good purpose for your pain. I don't think our pain is just random and, you know, well, let her have pain here and him have pain there. There's a purpose for it. And it's to make us be able to identify, I think, more with the sufferings of Christ to press into all of that. And one thing I do want to share for those of you who have an only child, and I think it's like 20% of moms only have one child. I think if my husband, Mike, and I had been given the five kids that I wanted, we, you know, and that, that what I'd hoped for, we wouldn't have had either the resources or the time to invest in our daughter and the future God planned for her from before the foundation of the world. I mean, I don't know, we might've been able to, but if God only gives you one child, just seek his heart dig deep. I mean, we got to do this no matter how many children we have, but really dig deep and find out what is his purpose for that child because there's a reason for it. It's not a random thing that you were, oh, you got left out. God loves them more than he loves you. That has nothing to do with it. There's a reason why he's giving you that one child. So just treasure that. Try, try Try to see it as a positive thing. I mean, I had to learn the hard way to just thank him for what I had rather than always looking at what I don't have, what he didn't give me, start changing my attitude for what he has given me and see the blessing in that, even though it was not what I thought I wanted, but now I kind of can't imagine it any other way. So just trust that you'll get, you'll get some perspective as time goes on and, and keep thanking him no matter what it looks like. Right. If you're listening right now and you're feeling that tender rawness emotionally and physically, I just want you to know that you don't need to worry about your emotions because they are proof of your deep love for your baby. I think sometimes we confuse negative and positive emotions and we're maybe taught in society or in the church or in circles to um, not cry too much or be ashamed of feeling the loss too far out into the future. Um, so it's twofold, you know, don't worry about your emotions. They are the proof of your deep love for your baby, but, but be watchful of your heart, um, that it may not roam too far from truth and the comfort and the comforter. So when your emotions turn from sadness or, um, tears, to deep depression or maybe bitterness and anger towards God, that's when we're watchful of our heart. What's happened between the sadness of grief of losing our baby and now it's it's affecting our relationship with others and with Christ. Um, so those are two things even today that I have to be careful of. Um, I let the emotions happen. I'm not ashamed or afraid of them, but when I find it affecting my heart posture towards God, then I realize, okay, something else is going on here. Um, you know, God, he cares for us. He binds our hearts. He, he cares for the brokenhearted. And that's you. If you're listening today, that's your friend or someone else, you know, that's going through this. 
And you know what? He loves you. He loves me in spite of me continually returning to this hopeless sadness. He, and he patiently waits for me to again, cling to him. It's not a moment of weakness to grieve. I think sometimes grief is sugar-coated and we want it to look a certain way. So people aren't uncomfortable. Um, I just want you to remember that um, you're loved. You're loved by God that can take your pain and he can, he can comfort you. Second Corinthians one, four tells us, and I, I believe that, and I've lived it, that the comfort that we've received from Christ, we can then in turn comfort other people. I think that's so good for our listeners to hear September, because I think so often when we're in the midst of grief and pain, and like I said, I have not experienced this type of grief, but I've experienced other forms in my life. And when you're in the midst of grief and you are, you are overwhelmed with emotion, oftentimes, especially for those of us who are in the faith and who are believers, we can pour on an extra measure of guilt on ourselves for feeling grief, for feeling pain and make ourselves feel like, oh, well, we should just snap out of this. It must be a lack of faith and trust in God. What is wrong with me? Why can't I pull myself out of this? Please remember that every emotion, every human emotion was created by God. We were created in his image and he has felt grief and pain and loss himself. And so if you are experiencing that grief, you don't have to feel guilty about it or try to fix it or make it better or put a bandaid on it. Like September was saying, it's okay to feel that loss and that pain and just sit with it for a time. I'm actually going to leave some some verses in the show notes. If you need some truth to cling to on those dark days and you feel suffocated by the pain and the loss, and you're just not sure how you can see the light at the end of this dark, dark tunnel, I'd really encourage you to head on over to the mom to mom podcast and look at the show notes for this particular episode. And we'll leave some of our favorite verses that have helped us through some really dark times. Um, one more question before we end today, ladies, for those of us like myself who have not felt this kind of loss, those of us listening who have kind of felt maybe helpless on the sidelines, who don't quite really know what to say or do, but who want to offer love and support for their friends and family members, do you have any helpful thoughts for us? What can we do to minister both in the moment and then also long term? Well, I think the best advice I can give is just listen, give her time to grieve her loss, let her grieve her loss right there with you, hug her. You know, it's devastating to lose a child. Even for me, I'd only known I was pregnant for three days before ending up in the hospital. You know, his ways are unsearchable. Some things we just won't know until we see him. But as I've said before, time does give perspective. The heartache does lessen. The tears that flow so easily now will one day slow to a trickle. I, I promise you that. Eventually, you'll be able to celebrate a friend's pregnancy and go to a baby shower again without wanting to you know, pull your hair out. Um, but until then, take your sorrow to Jesus. He is a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And I love the scripture that talks about how he collects our tears in a bottle. He's got some big gallon-sized jugs for me and for September, I'm sure. But he understands our sorrow. He understands our grief. And he is with you 
every second, every moment that you're in pain, he's in pain right there with you. But let him give you the peace that only the Prince of Peace can give. I don't know why he didn't let me hold my child or see or raise him or her. I have a million questions that are only going to be answered on the day I see him face to face. And, you know, I, I can't begin to explain it, but just be willing to be there for her for whatever it is she may need for you. Just, just be a, be a friend. Yeah. I think this would just refer back to what I said earlier, you know, the things that are helpful and the things that aren't, but most importantly, um, just remember that your friend, the person who's walking through miscarriage or loss or even infertility, um, this is a, this is a reality. This isn't just a moment that happened. And so, you know, don't forget, just don't forget that this is part of their story, just like your successes or your victories are part of your story. This loss is just the same. It's part of integral part of who someone is. And so maybe acknowledging it and remembering once in a while, or just saying this, I don't know what to say right now, but I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and your baby or your loss. And I love you. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Well, mama, who's experienced the loss of a baby, we really hope that this episode has brought you some comfort. We know that October is the month where we set aside to remember your loss, but we also know that you never forget it. May you feel the comfort of the great comforter this month and in the months and even the years ahead. If you're listening today and you need a friend to pray with or maybe for you, I'd really invite you to reach out to us on Instagram. Send us a message. You don't have to share the specifics if you don't want to, but we would just be really honored to pray for you specifically today. So as we close, I just want to read a verse of hope, and it's a verse for all of us. Revelation 21.4 reminds us of the someday we that are in Christ have to look forward to. It reads, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 